0: Bianco. Are you defined by the past? Most people will immediately say no to that. But are they being truthful? A good way to find out is to ask, am I really excited? Am I on fire about what I do in life? If the answer is no, then you've settled for less than who you are and you've justified that with a story. A story that's rooted in the past. Hey, hello, storytellers, and welcome once again to another episode of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I'm your host, Luis DiBianco. I'm excited to announce that our sponsor is Audible. They are offering you, our listeners, a free download of one of your favorite audiobooks. You get to choose from 180,000 titles, and you also get a one-month free trial of Audible's entire service. Simply go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. That is www.aud. Today's guest is a woman who found the courage to say, I'm not on fire about who I am and what I do anymore. Then, she took action, created a new empowering story, and lived into it. In her own words, she is now a woman who moves barriers. What does all of that mean? Well, she defines herself as a bespoke personal development coach, natural weight loss expert, and an author on a mission to help you live an outrageously happier, healthier, and fulfilling life, supporting you to be the best version of you possible. Her accomplishments along these lines include being a clinical hypnotherapist, an advanced practitioner of emotional freedom technique, a Reiki master and teacher, neuro-linguistic programming practitioner, nutrition and weight management expert, and a gym instructor. I am very excited once again to have an amazing guest on my show. Her name is Rosalind Smith. Rosalind, welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life.
1: Hi, thank you, and thank you for the introduction. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, the introduction you created, so thank yourself.
1: (laughs) That's right, yes, I did. And um, some powerful and meaningful words in that, um, because it is all about um, the journey that I'm on and that I've come to so far and, um, and feel privileged to be able to help so many people, you know, to, to live a rewarding life of whatever that means for them. You know, um, it, it's, it's empowering for me to be able to do that. It means a lot.
0: That's wonderful. You're given to contribution. Now, one of the things I would like you to clarify for our listeners, my storytellers, when you define yourself as a bespoke personal development coach uh, shed some light on what you mean by bespoke
1: okay and the reason bespoke I mean we all know what that means as in you know something that's tailor-made to you so even though I work with my clients in a way that yes we we get results but we work in different ways of whatever you need personally and everybody's needs are different everybody's wants are different everybody Body de- desires are different. So I work them in a way that I can tailor make it specifically to you working intuitively at the same time to get right to the root and the heart of whatever it is so that we can allow that change to happen and take place.
0: That's wonderful. What you're saying is that you don't use a one-size-fits-all approach.
1: Absolutely.
0: Now Rosalind, as you were growing up, What did you dream of becoming? Did you have a childhood dream of becoming something?
1: I did. And funnily enough, I actually dreamt becoming a nurse. I thought that as a child, I was so intrigued by nurses that was helping people to get better. And I even joined um, something called the St John's Ambulance as um, in my teenagers at the age of about fourteen, I think it was and it was just a short course that I did on that. but I always saw that image of becoming becoming a nurse, and inside it was the giving helping people and helping them to be better to 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 improve with their health. That's
0: wonderful because um as you grew and evolved, you kind of didn't really abandon that role. You just kind of clarified it more and, and and developed it into the entrepreneurial coach that you are today. So who was the greatest influence on you when you were a child?
1: Without a doubt, I had two influences on me. Um, and first, firstly, it was my father. I my father and my grandfather was two people that to me was mentors now you can say well you know most fathers are mentors to the daughters anyway but i was learnt the work work ethics i was learnt to understand myself i was learnt in lots of lots of ways of things that sometimes you took a step back and you realize as you grow older, don't you? You look at your parents and you think, ah, I know why they did that now because I've got children. I'm doing the same thing. But I learned so much from both my father and my grandfather that they, they inspired me to be more. They believed in me. They encouraged me. And as I say, fabulous mentors to me in every way, and I spent a lot of time with both of these people, um, and I felt, as I say, I was empowered by them more than probably I was empowered by anybody else ever.
0: Fantastic! I can I can hear it. I can hear it in your voice, just the way you uh, you the energy around. Um your feelings for them when you speak. That's wonderful. Now, did you always see yourself as an entrepreneur?
1: I never remember a thought in my mind that this would happen. Like, as I say, from being a child, I actually thought about being and becoming a nurse. And that was my ultimate dream. As I started to leave school and started to think about training and what was I going to do and I'd got about a year to leave in school and I can remember a teacher saying to me, what is it that you want to do, Roslyn?" And at that at time, I decided that, you know, I'd quite like to be a secretary. I'd quite like to do some typing and that was, I didn't actually think any further than that. So I went to college and I actually did business studies at that stage. I did business studies and I worked part time on some training scheme. And I ended up back at the school where I'd just left my secondary school. Um, I'd, I'd left there and ended up back with the teachers working in the office for a period of time. Got my confidence, got my qualifications, moved on further. I started then working for social services and then I moved on and I started to run offices and I was working for chartered surveyors. Never in my mind was I ever going to become an entrepreneur. It it wasn't a thought. It was just me progressing as my confidence was growing. I was progressing in my roles with work until eventually it led me to have my children. And then I went to work part time for my husband. But again, I was back in the office and doing sales, doing invoicing. Still never a thought in my mind about this. Never. Never.
0: Fantastic. That's wonderful. So you really had a certain identity, a certain story about yourself, which eventually you found the need to change. Now, what was your husband or what is your husband's business?
1: My, my husband, it's a family run business and it's, he's in the building trade. So he has a a building yard and and, and men that work for him. But it suited me fine when I'd had the children. And because it was a family business and my mother-in-law had sadly passed away due to illness. And I really took place of, not place of her, because that would never happen. I took the role inside of that office of doing some of the jobs that was hers to help out for a period of time while the children were small. I see. Okay.
0: By the way, for the benefit of our listeners who are, I know, enjoying your wonderful accent, where are you, where do you live right now?
1: Okay, so I'm in England, I'm I'm in Lincolnshire, so I'm central, I'm central England.
0: And you're several hours away from London, correct?
1: That's right, yes, okay. I am, yeah, yeah.
0: Now, today, you have a positive, supportive mindset. Now, was there a time in your life when you were not positive, a time when you didn't like who you were?
1: Yeah, I was a child that, um, can I say, when we look at our childhoods, there's many of us that don't have the best childhood from one thing or another. And I, I dealt with many issues, but what I did, I wore a mask. And this mask was about me behaving confidently, looking confident, but inside I felt like I was crying. I really felt in in pieces. And it was only when I had my own children that I, they got to a certain age and I can remember just looking at them one day and thinking, Blimey, when I was your age, this happened to me and I thought I was quite grown up. And, and then as they was progressing, those feelings got worse. And then I got a little bit worse and angry towards certain people because I, I was starting to feel bitter. And at that point, I knew that I needed some help. I knew that I needed to change because on the outset of it, i would got two beautiful children, a husband that loved me dearly. You know, I was working within the family business. Everything was going fine. But I was inside a wreck. And all I can describe it is I wanted somebody to put their hands inside me and just take this pain away. And I, I didn't know how that was going to happen. I didn't know how that could happen but I didn't really want to talk about it because I didn't want to. I felt as though that would just instill it all back in again. So I just wanted somebody to just go inside and take that away.
0: Now, that is very powerful. It's very human. Um, Many individuals uh, face that kind of challenge. You mentioned that you, as a child, had gone through, you were going through issues and that you became angry and bitter. Could you be... For the benefit of our listeners, to help them perhaps to identify and even to begin to heal, can you be specific about what the issues were and who you were angry at?
1: I can't be absolutely um, specific, and that's simply because I've always protected people. But what I will say is it was people that was very close to me that I felt let down with and people that I thought, you know, that shouldn't really be happening. I knew right from wrong and it was it, it, things had gone too far. Um, and, and then I my, my mother and father they parted and this, this was part to do with it too. They parted when I was nine and I went back to live with my father at the age of eleven. My siblings were still um, two sisters and a brother that were still with my mum. And I spent a period of six months that, apart from going to school, I didn't go out of the house anywhere else um, because of because of emotional upset, etc., and other things that I'm not I, I shouldn't discuss here. But I will say that part of that, if not most of that, carried on. But I believe that well, people always go through things. So I was showing this hard exterior in some way. And believing that, in a way, I was okay. If anybody was to ask me anything, I would have told them, I'm fine, because I always looked very confident, in control. But it was only when I had my own children, like I previously said, and I looked at my children and thought, I was that age, and you're a child. And that's when I realized, you know, I have emotional wounds. that, And I didn't understand about healing at that stage. So I knew I had these emotional wounds or I had something that was making me cry inside Mm
0: -hmm. but didn't know,
1: didn't know how to deal with it, Mm -hmm. didn't know how to deal with it at all.
0: So when you were struggling with these feelings, uh, I would assume your self-image was not very high. What story were you telling yourself about yourself at that time?
1: Well, firstly, and being absolutely honest, I got to the point, I didn't want to be here anymore. And this was my turning point at that stage, having two young children and breaking down. And I was crying and couldn't stop myself from crying. And I knew I was at breaking point. I didn't want to be here. And at that point, you know, you've got to make a change. And the story that was continually running in my head is, what is wrong with me? And I I felt bad because on the outside, I looked like I'd got everything. I looked like I'd got such a beautiful life. But inside, I couldn't see any of that. I, I could see it to some degree, but I couldn't in other ways because I felt there's got to be something wrong with me because I should be appreciating what I've got instead of feeling so bad all the time. It didn't make sense to me. So I felt a failure in some ways. I felt downtrodden in ways. I felt unmotivated. I was sad. I became, I remember my language patterns as well. I was in the way that I would speak sometimes would be sharper. Sometimes I'd come across, I can tell now that I was probably angry. And it was this protective shield that I'd put around myself that nobody is going to hurt me again. Nobody Mm. is going to get into that shield again. But all that time, that shield was getting thicker and thicker and taller and wider. And to the point, I wasn't letting anybody in.
0: Hmm. You know, thank you for being transparent about that. And I'm certain that many of our listeners will be able to identify with that. Um, I know that I can. I've had um, similar moments in my life. Now, can you describe your darkest moment when you believed in yourself the least?
1: I think the darkest moment came when I absolutely decided that is it. I can't take it anymore and I can remember saying in my head it's easier to just not be here now and I actually took action on that. I didn't go as far as to take anything but I'd, I can remember even having and I don't mind discussing this here. I had tablets in my hand ready to take because I couldn't deal with it anymore. That's how bad it got to me. But that was the very thing that I had this... In my in my head, I had this voice that said, don't you give in to this. You don't need to give in to this. And, but it was so powerful that I chucked the tablets down. I can remember brushing myself down and thinking... You're gonna take action, girl. This is it. And I believe that whenever we go through bad moments, there's always that breaking point. And it's always at that point, usually, that we make a transformation.
0: And so, I knew
1: I was ready at that point. So you,
0: you took you took the tablets and you you, you threw them away?
1: I'd got them in my hand. I hadn't actually taken them. I'd got them in my hand ready to take them because I didn't know what else to do. And I couldn't deal with the emotions that was coming up because I, I, I didn't understand it. I had no knowledge of what I know today. I I didn't know any of, of this stuff. So I was feeling so bad and so not good for anybody or so bad about myself. That was the only way that I could... I could think of just ending it and that would be all right. Or everybody else would be happier without me. That's how I felt because I knew I was becoming more bitter and angry towards other people. And as I say, I'd got this shield that I was shielding people out as well. And these were loved ones I'm talking about. People that loved me that I couldn't even see that because I'd also started to take things personally. So things people were saying to me... I was taking them personally instead of realizing that they actually love me. I was blocking everything out. So I didn't take the tablets in the end. I was about to. I'd got a drink in my hand. i would got the tablets in the other. And then something in my head just said, it's time for change. This is it.
0: And what did you physically do with the tablets at that point?
1: I just threw them down onto oh. the floor.
0: Uh-huh. And as I
1: threw them down... It was something that somebody had said to me before I'd taken them. And I thought, nobody's going to win. This is my life. And now I'm taking action.
0: Mm. So I would call that a pivotal event. Now, what was the first positive action that you took to start turning your life around?
1: I can remember going, making an appointment to the doctor's and explaining to the doctor that I just needed to see somebody. I needed to have a chat. I, was, I didn't feel depressed, but what I felt was, I said, I feel extremely stressed. I said, I don't feel right. I said, I think I need to speak to a counsellor. And, and I know counsellors do a wonderful job. And I waited about a week to two weeks. And I can remember the appointment coming through and I saw the letter and I looked at it and I thought, I don't need this because what they what they can't do is take out inside of me this emotion or whatever it is that's eating me away. It felt like a disease. I thought they can't do that. I've, I'm going to have to sit and talk to somebody. So as much as they do a wonderful job, I ripped the letter up because the letter was, you know, I'd have to say that. did did I still want this appointment and this was the one that was available and one thing another and it was really strange because at that point and I believe things happen at the right time I was I trained to be a beauty therapist at that time and somebody that I'd gone to school with was actually going off on holiday and asked me to do her nails and at that time She asked me, how much do I charge and one thing and another? And I said, oh, just have a lovely holiday. I said, your nails look great. And I was just so happy that, you know, I'd got more practice in and one thing or another. And she said, you know, I do this thing called Reiki. She said, I wonder if I can give you a treatment. And she said, and then see what you think to it. And if you want, I'll do you another one. And I can remember naively and having some ignorance around this. I laughed a little bit and I said, what is that? I'd never been introduced to holistic therapies in my life. I mean, my dad was the sort of person that he'd always got medical journals out. And I think this is why I thought I'd like to be a nurse. And so I've never been introduced to the holistic side. But what I did, I booked the appointment. And as I was laying there on this couch, I can remember... Things just starting to have a shift somehow. I couldn't explain it. It was new to me. I didn't get any of this stuff. She hadn't explained anything. And I can remember that when I left, I went to my mum's for a a cup of coffee and I can remember saying, Mum, that was a wonderful experience. And I feel so good. She said, Why are you crying then? I said, They're happy tears. She said, Really? I said, they're happy tears. I feel like I've just got rid of some baggage. And so I went back for another appointment and she explained a little bit more. And that was the start of the process of me starting to change. And that was the feeling that I wanted of somebody taking it away. It was the healing that I needed more than speaking to somebody. And I knew that intuitively even when I booked the appointment for the counsellor. Mm-hmm.
0: So you nev- you actually did not continue or go to a counsellor?
1: No, no. But as I say, you know, please don't misunderstand me. They do a fabulous job, but intuitively, I just felt I needed somebody to be able to take this away.
0: Hmm. I
1: didn't feel that I wanted to personally sit and talk to somebody. It wasn't something that I wanted. So I was almost asking, asking the universe, if you like, for help. But in the same thing, I didn't know what I needed until just by fate, if you like, I got offered this treatment and that was exactly what I needed at the time to start the process of letting this baggage go.
0: That's, that's wonderful. It's very powerful. Now, when you say you you wanted and you needed someone to take the pain away, Correct me if I'm wrong, but although the person is a facilitator as a Reiki um, expert, professional, aren't they guiding you to heal yourself?
1: It's a bit of both, really, because it works on the mental level, the emotional level, and it works on your energy system. So your body actually guides them of where they need to go and where your body needs the energy the most and starts to repair itself too. Mm. So at that stage, I could feel all of this healing taking place of my body knew exactly where it needed to be healed, what I needed to let go of. My higher self, if you like, knew that. I didn't know this. Remember, I'd never been exposed to this before. I'd never even been for a massage in my life. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, I'd never, I, I didn't know any of this. And I'm glad, I'm really so glad that I didn't know because I wanted to just experience it as it, as it, as it was without having any, you know, having any thoughts about it before. Because I know people can build up all sorts of images, images of thoughts and have high expectations. I had no expectations because I actually, one, I didn't know anything about it. And two, she actually did not know what I was going through because I never discussed that with her. Mm. She, she, was, she was offering this as a favor to me. She, I didn't say that I'm, I'm going through X, Y and Z and, oh, I need some help. It was never discussed, never discussed.
0: Well, obviously, it had such a profound effect on you that you went on to uh, study Reiki and, and become a practitioner yourself. Did that happen uh, right after these sessions with her?
1: Yeah, I had several sessions with her, and she said to me, Do you know, have you ever thought about doing this yourself? And I said, you know, I still don't really know what you've done. I said, I've laid there with my eyes closed and I feel wonderful, but I really don't know what you've done. And she said, I think you need to look into this. She said, because I've got this strong feeling that this, this is something that's really right up your street, you know, so to speak. And she said, whoever you find to teach you, if you do go ahead with it, the time will be right. And bizarrely enough somebody else that I was doing the nails for she had just been to this other gentleman that was a Reiki master and um, she had something wrong with her arm and I can remember her saying that how wonderful she feels after having it done and the pain had subsided etc and I questioned her about several things and I got some books and I rang this gentleman and that was the start of it all really because after that I've never looked back. That was the start of, I've got to say, one, it was a journey, and two, a transformation.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah,
1: it it was lovely.
0: Now, at this time, you were also, correct, um, you were also working for your husband? Because it sounds like you you were doing um, people's nails and... um, working as an aesthetician were you also working in your husband's business
1: yeah I did part-time in each I so see. so I was working full-time but I was doing part-time for myself and I was doing part-time for him while I was still training and I was still I was still doing some nails and, and doing the beauty side of things but I was also training then with the Reiki because it I'd really got hooked so I wanted to spend more time doing that as well. So I would go into work so many days for him, and then so many days I would I would do clients on um, you know working with Reiki and et cetera.
0: Well, I asked that specifically because you did go through uh in your journey a time when you recognized, you know what? Great business, I've enjoyed it, I've contributed, but it's not for me anymore. So What fears and doubts did you have to overcome to give up the role in the family business and then finally strike out on your own?
1: Oh, that's a question because it was tough at the beginning. And the tough thing was that my husband and I, we both trust each other. And I know that he relied on me to be there for him. So it was a huge step. It was... It it was a huge step for me to take. And I've got to say it didn't happen overnight. What I made sure that I did was I checked in with myself to make sure I was absolutely certain. I had to make sure that is this the path I really want to take? So after a while of still working for him, he knew that I was still doing this part time I ended up saying to him one day, you know, I I can't continue like this because this is the path I want to take. And I can remember seeing his whole physiology change and I just looked into his eyes and he, he looked so sad and I thought, I can't mention this again for a while. So I carried on the way that I was and I thought, hey, hold on a minute. This isn't right for me. This is my life. And what I, what I thought about was how I changed. So much. And in all my training with Reiki, I was changing people's lives too. And I was thinking, I want more of this. This is my path. It it when we talk about soul purpose, I knew I was a healer. I knew that was what I had to do. And I said to my husband, Do you know the best thing that you could do is get somebody else to take my role? Because I'm going to start to lose interest in a way not within the business but within my role within the business because I knew that I had to go and pursue what was rightfully right for me which was my sole purpose and what I didn't want to get to was that I would resent him for holding me back it was it was quite powerful really um and as I say it wasn't an overnight thing um but I remember I did some tapping at one of on one of my courses um, because I was so pent up about all of this. And it was the fear of, okay, so when I leave the business and I've got to earn a wage, um, am I absolutely right? This is for me. The amount of times I sat there doing meditation and writing down, where do I see myself? What what am I doing with this? How do I feel when I help people to get better? How do I feel when I'm at work there with him? But I so wanted to support him too, But I couldn't do everything I had to set myself free which in turn would set him free Um, and I can remember doing the tapping and then at that point I came home one night and it was my husband Richard that told said to me do you know what Roz I know this means everything to you to help people to be better he said why don't we call it a day he said and I understand but I know it broke his heart I could see he was destroyed.
0: Well, he wasn't destroyed because uh, he's still, you're still married. He still has a successful business. If he had been destroyed, that wouldn't be the case, would it? He was, it was hard for him as it was for you.
1: Yeah, when I say destroyed, I, do, I could see that emotion in his face and that upset me, but in the same thing, I was delighted. And I, I'd got I was in tears, but it was tears of joy. But when we talk about being destroyed, that, yes, that was limited because at the end of the day now, we have both of our children that work there. It was the best thing that ever happened, and he knows that. He knows that, and it was the best thing for both of us. And sometimes, you know, we do, we live in fear, and we hold ourselves back because what if this? What are they going to think to this? And they were all the questions that was in my head. What is he going to think of me? Are we still, is our marriage still going to be okay? And, you know, and really, when we sat down and we had a a talk about it and was mature about it and level-headed and was realistic about our own personal needs and wants, then it makes sense. It made absolute sense because we've become two happier people than what we were at the time when I was even working there. You know, it was nice for us both to have that bit of freedom. It was. We got on together working well. We do. But at the end of the day, it was still nice as well to do our own thing equally.
0: This is very, very, um, very potent, I'll say. And... I say to the listeners, to the storytellers, really take note because what Rosalind is sharing is golden. You're talking about in order to create a new story for yourself, you've got to have the courage to let one story die. In that sense, there is a destruction, but if you have the courage to go through that, out of the death of the old story comes the birth of the new one.
1: Absolutely, you know, that is exactly what happened.
0: Yeah, I I get the image of the um um uh, the phoenix uh, being consumed in the fire. It's in the fire and then being reborn, growing out of its own ashes. You know, it's a it's a very very beautiful image. And yes, there's fear involved, but you've got to be willing to face it. Otherwise, you settle, and settling keeps you in a story that is not authentic and definitely disempowers you. Now, part of your journey involved a struggle with weight and a non-supportive body image. How do you connect that to what you've been talking about and how did you overcome that?
1: Okay, so with the weight, I always struggled from late teens, really, so over two decades, um, of putting a stone and a half to two stone on and then I'd probably lose a stone and then I'd put it back on again, a typical Mm yo-yo dieter. And I've got to say that what happened was I started – um after doing the Reiki, I decided after working with some GPs, etc., that I wanted to understand the mind-body connection. So I went and I trained um, to do hypnotherapy and, and LP. And at that point I was asked, would you help me with weight loss? And so I did. I started helping people with weight loss, men and women, and I was watching them lose weight and I understood about the mind and about subconscious blocks and all this sort of thing. But I actually was struggling with my own weight at the time. So I realized that I had to do something about this because that was the one thing that was holding me back and I didn't know how it was holding me back. So I'd gone through this journey of healing myself and changing and becoming positive and helping all these wonderful people to be sat there thinking, well, why am I stuck? Why am I still stuck doing this? I'm the healer here. And I can remember one day I was on on a barge, I was on a boat trip, and I can remember just going off for half an hour and asking myself the question, what is it now that I need to let go of so that I can lose this weight? And the answer that came back to me in my mind, well, an answer and an image rather, was that somebody had said to me, personal things Um, about my image and about my looks and I took it personally in a bad way rather than because again when I was younger I was taking everything personally remember so I never took things as a compliment when people said them I always turned it around and thought that they was having a dig at me and that was my mindset at the time so this person had said something to me and I took it bad. Now I thought I'd let this go and I clearly hadn't and what I had a belief behind this was that if I dropped the weight and I looked good, my business would fail because nobody would like me. I couldn't be slim, attractive because I wouldn't be liked for that and That sounds crazy and absolutely bizarre, but that was what was going on in my head. So every time I lost the stone, I put it back on again. And even though I'd go to the gym and I'd work so hard, I was still keeping this layer of fat, if you like, around my body. It was my protective layer. And once I got rid of that, I healed it, let it go, forgave the person for what they said, realized it wasn't personal in that way at all. It was actually a compliment she was paying me. And within 12 weeks, lost 35 pounds. And to this day, I still haven't put it back on. It was the easiest thing I've ever done.
0: I love that you shared that because it's so important for people to understand that being struggling with weight and body image is not just about changing how you eat you can but that's not getting to the root of the problem you went to the root of the problem by understanding that you had a deeply rooted a story that was uh controlling you and making you hold on to a body image that you were not happy with and that that's that's very 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 strong um you know you know what earlier on you you talked about tapping and i know what that is but for the benefit of some of the listeners who may not know what that is can you just give us a very short explanation of what tapping is
1: Okay, so tapping is emotional freedom technique. It used to be called thought field therapy. And the tapping is we tap on meridian lines, a bit like if we was to use acupuncture, we'd put needles in acupressure points. And as we're tapping, we release emotional blocks. So we talk our way through... Um, an issue, an event, even with weight loss, it's fantastic. I know Jessica Ortner, I've just been reading her book, and she talks about EFT um, with weight loss and body image, etc. And, you know, I use it a lot with people to... Let's say if somebody's going to take the driving test or somebody's going to the dentist and what it does is it, it helps to relax your mind as well. So yes, it releases emotion. We tap on acu- what we call acupressure points on the meridian lines around different um, different acupressure points within our face, um, on, on our neck, on our collarbone, under our arm and then we just release any emotion that's there. Mm-hmm. And let it go to move, so yeah, it works with our energy system as well.
0: I um, Thank you for that. It was very, very good, a very clear ex- explanation. I have a good friend who actually is a master at that. that's what he does as a he is a practitioner and I know that it's it is a very powerful uh, modality for helping ourselves to heal. Now, when did you start to invest? in the study of personal development? I'm assuming that you did.
1: Yeah, what I I think really going back probably 14 years ago when I started with the Reiki, from that point on and, and continuing to train with the personal development is, to me, everything that you do, I mean, I can't get enough of personal development, I've got to say. I can't get enough of um, understanding you what we're here for, what we can achieve, how far we can go. I mean, we have no limits, right? That's what I believe. So I, as I've started on this journey, my personal development has come in through all of my teachings, my writings, everything that I do with other people. My and it's not just academic, it's all about the experience, the results, It's all packaged into one for me. But my personal development, personally, has been through from the last 14 years. And I sometimes think to myself, why did I not know about all of this sooner? But I do believe, again, and I'll keep saying this, some people I know may disagree, but I believe that everything happens at the right time when we need it the most.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. They say when the student is ready, the teacher will appear.
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely, yes.
0: Now, who are the thought leaders who have inspired you the most?
1: Okay, one of my absolute favorites that makes so much sense to me is Brendan Burchard. Mm -hmm. Now, even in a morning, I listen to him and, you know, been to see him. I I think he's he's great. He inspires and motivates so many people. I love people like Tony Robbins, and you know Gabrielle Bernstein, Marie Forleo, and I just like the way that they work, the way that they get the message across, the way that they inspire so many people to have the confidence within themselves, that to to move forward, to embrace it, to have that positivity the courage the strength to 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 go for whatever it is that your heart your heart desires what what your calling is
0: absolutely there are people who won't invest in personal development training for a couple of reasons one they mistrust it they think it's hokey two they feel it's too much of an expense they can't justify the expense what would you say to people who have those ideas who have those stories
1: if we're talking about expense I've got to say that if I was to tot up the amount of money that I've spent it's a small fortune (laughs) and do I regret a single penny of it no and the reason that I don't is because I was sat there with tablets in my hand, you know? And then I decided that I was gonna make a, a change. Did I ever see, at that point, I knew I'd push myself down, I knew that I was taking charge, but did I ever see my life turning out like this? Not a chance. I, I have to pinch myself to be able to, to, to even think about being in tune with me, about knowing more of who I am, of learning more about what I'm here for, it's that you can't even put a price tag on that to be fair. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're going through life in a way that your eyes are open. You're more energized. You have the vitality. Everything is so different and so rewarding for me. I find I'm speaking to you today and I'm talking about the person that I was, but I have to really sit and think about that because I have no emotion attached to any of that anymore because I've invested in me. I've invested in moving that emotion, taking it out. Yes, I have the memories. We all do. It's part of a life. Do I choose to think about the past? No. Which way am I going? Forward and I live for today, I'm very much into mindfulness. I'm very much into the present moment because we either live in the past and we're still hurt by what somebody said or somebody did or that could have been 10 years ago. What's the point? We should be in today. We should be embracing the moment rather than having a head stuck there or thinking that things will get better when I lose weight, when I do X, Y and Z, when I get that pay rise. It's about living for today. And I think taking the personal development and taking yourself further on that journey gives you all of that.
0: I totally, totally agree with you. Because I have gone through a similar journey. There was a time when I couldn't think of taking out my credit card to give money to someone else to help me grow. And then I did. And I have never looked back. And it's true. You can't put a price tag on it. Um, If we want to just root it in a discussion about money, I'll say that for myself, I have invested well over a hundred thousand dollars in the past ten years in personal development, and that it has never been a cost it's always been an investment, and that it has brought besides the emotional and psychological richness to my life, it has brought a lot of money into my life as well so yeah it's 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 a must. I love to quote Bob Dylan, um, he not busy being born is busy dying. No? Yeah. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> you have a unique approach to weight loss. Can you give us a, a Reader's Digest version of it? Describe it. What's unique about your approach to weight loss?
1: Okay so what's unique about my weight loss is that I work with clients to take away the emotional subconscious blocks that they have that sabotage in their efforts. So rather than working from the outside and doing all the diets and things like that, it's about working internally and it's about working with the mindset so they're in the right frame of mind and then then it becomes sustainable. And at that point, once it becomes sustainable as well, it's with ease because it becomes a healthy lifestyle choice. But like me that was sabotaging my efforts but didn't even know why, a lot of people don't know what's stopping them. And they're in the same cycle as what I was in. So I work with them intuitively to take away those blocks so that they're free, so that they're free to allow the weight to drop. And I've known people that just in their mindset, they'll they'll say consciously, you know, yes, I believe that I can lose this weight. But on an unconscious level, they don't believe it because they've never never got that before. They've never reached it. They don't really even know where they want to be with weight loss. So I work intuitively to help to take those blocks away with them so that they – it's like having your wings clipped and saying, okay, and now I'm ready. Now I'm free. And now I can do this. It's all about the mindset. Mm. The eating. The eating comes easily. Once you have the mindset in order.
0: I love it. I love it. That is so powerful. And um, I do trust. That uh, anyone listening. Who may be. uh, Challenged by. um, Similar issues. Will reach out. To Rosalind. Now. What have hypnosis and NLP done for you? How have they helped you grow?
1: The hypnosis. When I was um, working with GPs, I decided I was working with people uh, with medical issues, and I started to. Well, I started to think to myself: Is there a connection with illnesses, and do we create them ourselves? And I was starting to read a lot of literature about it, and I became interested in Psychology, so that's why I decided, right? Okay, I want to understand about the mind body connection, and I got introduced to hypnotherapy. What it did for me was it gave me a clearer understanding of how our minds work, how consciously we can think things, and but unconsciously, you know, the unconscious mind is the irrational part, it's the emotional part, and how that can sabotage our efforts, and how but also how we can, I call it rewiring and reprogramming that part for success. Mm-hmm. So that was a big shift for me that I realized the negative patterns that I was running, but then all you know, understanding the mind, I was able to say, right, okay, I get that. And now with affirmations, etc., and understanding that we can program our mind. We just have to set the intention and put the work in to do that. And success is yours. But equally with NLP, it's pretty much the same for me as well of how we can take away emotional baggage. And also I, to be to be quite honest with some of my clients, I use all of them together. <laughs> I use a combination with the healing, the NLP and the hypnosis all at the same time. And mm. um, so that's what it's done. So as well as what it's done for me, which is helped me understand my mindset and how I can programme myself for success within my own life and understand, you know, how it has sabotaged my efforts, but now it's I continue if I if I catch myself being negative, it's like, oops, and change it. I didn't know that before. I was just running the same patterns. But with my clients I'm able to put all the modalities together and say, right, and, and I I have now my unique combination. And part of that is what I use within my weight loss system, too, within my program.
0: Mm. You know, I particularly love it because, of course, the theme of my show is change your story, change your life. And you can look at hypnosis as some strange esoteric uh, practice, or you can recognize that it's very natural that it is really about creating an empowering story. Because when you talk about reprogramming, you're doing it consciously. You're using language to change your perception of who you are. And when you do it effectively, you'll you'll start to behave differently and you'll become a different human being. Correct?
1: exactly and that is when you say what did it do for me that's exactly what it did for me because i learned how and and still now you don't ever stop learning do you you know you continue to learn and people you're never done because you know you learn more and the more that you do the more you know i can't stop digging away and and you know doing this all the time but i've got to say that yes it's that's the biggest change for me is saying, right, okay, you know, this is what I want. And if something's holding me back, well, I'm holding me back. So then Mm. I find out what it is, let it go, set that new program running. You know, I do a lot with visualizations and things like that as well. So I put the whole lot together. So yeah, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful.
0: I agree. It is beautiful. What are your favorite books, Rosalind?
1: Okay. So my favorite books, so I'm going to, one of my favorite books is Shakti Gawain, which was a creative visualization. Now, when I started on this journey, it's an old book. And this is what got me into a lot of these things as well with the visualization. It's just an easy to follow book. And, you know, I still find myself from time to time going back to it. And I'm a huge fan. I like Doreen Virtue's books as well. Um, I like the way that she does, you know, psychology, but equally she does the esoteric stuff. Um, she just makes sense to me. Um, so, I, so I love that too.
0: Can, can, you um, say, can you say her name slowly? What was her name? Uh,
1: oh, Doreen Virtue.
0: D- Doreen Virtue.
1: Yes, Doreen and, Virtue.
0: And Creative Visualization was written by whom?
1: Shakti Gwain.
0: How do you spell that?
1: S H A K T I and then Gawain is Gwain is G W A I N.
0: Okay. Now earlier you mentioned some a uh, Jessica, it uh, was Jessica Alter you said?
1: Jessica Altner, Ortner, O R T N E R. And she's just, I've, I've I went to see her and um in Florida and I bought a new book which is about um I haven't got it in front of me now but it's about emotional eating and body image and she talks about how EFT is effective how she's worked with people um and they've had significant weight loss too.
0: Uh do you recall the specific title of that book?
1: It's not in
0: front of me. Um it's okay, because uh, I can actually find that, and I will definitely list that uh, in the show notes for the podcast. And I think you were going to mention another book, at least one more.
1: And the other one, because I'm interested in mind-body um, connection, I also, and this is another old book, and I know this lady has got one out since, Ina Siegel, and she's spelled i and it's called the secret language of your body mm-hmm. and it's um it's called the essential guide to health and wellness and i've got to say if you're into the mind body connection and you want to investigate more about why we create if it's not uh, you know if we haven't done something physically like fallen down why we have arthritis for instance, all different ailments and it tells you and guides you on how to help to let that go. Mm. I found that book valuable.
0: I'm going to be checking that out for sure. Now how about a favorite quote?
1: Okay so oh I think I might give you if I can give you two. One of them is Oprah Winfrey. If you look at what you have in life you will always have more. If you look at what you do not have in life, you will never have enough.
0: Mhm. That's the difference between the abundance and the lack mindsets.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the other one, if I if you if I could just give you this one is mm-hmm. by Albert Einstein, try not to become a man of success, but, but rather try to become a man of value.
0: Mhm. I like that. I'm writing these down. Okay. Now, you were gonna say something?
1: I was just gonna say, you know, sometimes we see these quotes, don't we? And some just never jump out at you and then these others that just really resonate and you think they're they're wonderful.
0: Yes, absolutely. Where do you see yourself in five years?
1: In five years time, I see myself my vision <laughs> my vision is that I'm on stage helping more and more people to understand that they can succeed, they can have more. And I don't mean, I'm not just talking on financial levels, I'm talking more of, in, of themselves, understanding themselves better. They can be and become who they want to be, but it's about making that change. And as like I've said all the way through this, those subconscious blocks that are there, it's understanding that you're not a failure for them being there. We all have them. But it's about allowing yourself to let them go. Because letting them go becomes your freedom, freedom to success Mm -hmm. in whatever way success is meant for you.
0: I love it. Thank you. How can people contact you?
1: Okay, so I have a website. Which is www and it's Rosalind, which is R O S A L I N D hyphen Smith, S M I T H dot com, and there's a contact page on there with a they can contact me through email etc.
0: Wonderful. And how about any final thoughts for our storytellers?
1: The final thoughts for me is, I just want to say to anybody that's listening, if you're thinking of doing something and it feels right to you, you're in tune with it, then go for it. What are you waiting for? Because the thing is, we can sit too long with things and not take action. If you're ready, it's only you that's stopping you.
0: Beautifully said. Thank you so much. You have offered so much value to our listeners today. It's really been a pleasure spending this time with you, Rosalind.
1: I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much for having me on. And I'm sure,
0: I have a feeling anyway, we're going to do something like this again. Thank you once again, storytellers, for spending time with us today. You know, when I was listening to this show, editing it, I realized that you cannot open your mind to this kind of energy and remain the same person. I get so much from listening once again to the people I interview and allowing their wisdom, their hearts to touch me, and when I do that, I grow. I encourage you to listen to this material, to listen to this show again, and to do it after you've quieted your mind. It will have a profound, positive influence on who you are. It will help you to grow and to transform. One of the things that Rosalind shared so beautifully was her love of many, many books, Remember that our sponsor is Audible and that you, as a listener, have access to a download of an audio book of your choice from over 180,000 titles. Simply go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. Choose your free book, and also get a one-month free trial to all of Audible's wonderful service. Definitely pay this forward by letting people know that they can enjoy this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and at the website ChangeYourStoryPodcast.com. And at that website, you all will get a downloadable free ebook called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. To take what you got from today's show to a whole other level, spend some time in the next week, first quieting your mind and then asking yourself, is there something that I have wanted for so long? that I feel I deserve, but for some reason I haven't allowed myself to have, and then decide that you will have it, begin to take action, to bring it into your life, and start by asking, how can I change my story and change my life?